news. Play breakdowns. Power rankings. Storylines you never hear talked about. Anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. S here, Lauren joining me as always. Uh, A busy week, a busy, busy week in the NBA as usual. We had uh, the Phoenix Suns, uh, a beat writer from the Phoenix Suns, Gerald Bourget. Uh, He was on talking about the Suns and everything on our last podcast. Uh, there was almost going to be a debut of the of the trio in Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. We didn't get that. Uh, we're still kind of waiting to see what the hell happens <laughs> with that team, uh, and and you know just in general like how it's all going to look. Uh, Draymond Green, Draymond Green choked someone, choked Rudy Gobert, uh, and that was I'm sure. Listen by now, folks. You guys have probably <laughs> talked about it ad nauseum. He's been suspended for five games. Uh, it was funny, to be honest with you. That was crazy. <laughs> I thought it was funny, Lauren. I guess, like, real quick, it yeah. was it was funny, right? Like, I, mean, I know it was yeah. crazy that he put him in a chokehold, but the whole sequence you know, was just—I mean, all the context, fun. everything that was going on there was just like—I mean, even from like Cat not really doing anything to it being so early in the game, it was just like, oh my god, what is going on here? So, I mean comedy for sure some entertainment value there yeah yeah the in-season tournament seems like it's uh you're getting your money's worth um you know the the trade rumors trade cycle everything that's happening there is is also kind of starting up a little bit as we near towards december 15th which for the people who don't know is when some of these newly signed contracts become more available for trade january 15th is another deadline for that But it also brought up the conversation of Zach Levine. The Chicago Bulls are off to a pretty poor start. They're four and eight to start the season. They haven't been off to the best start yet. Um, To be honest with you, it seemed like it was, you know, a doomed thing from the beginning of the season. Uh, But at this point, it seems like they want to kind of rid themselves of this new core and maybe switch it up and change their direction. And that means maybe a new home for Zach Levine. Uh, Levine is a very good player, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think he is a stud offensively. He can score in multiple ways. Some people would say he's a three-level scorer, has his flaws as a defender and playmaker. But I think given in the right situation and the right circumstance, Lauren, he Mm -hmm. can be a very, very useful player to a very good team. But... His contract is massive. He has four years left, $40 million uh, pretty much every single year. You can go ahead and look at it like how it breaks down throughout the the you know the rest of the four years. But it's a pretty chunky contract. And uh, it makes it a little bit tougher to work out where he might get traded and the value you're potentially getting back considering the Zach Levine injury history, you know, the knee. He has back issues right now. He obviously hasn't been the healthiest player in his career. He is a guy who relies on that athleticism, that bounce, if you will, to get downhill, get to the basket, become this high flyer. And we really haven't seen him be that high flyer as much anymore because of the injuries. So there are concerns. There are questions around, should you really go ahead and pay up for a guy like Zach Levine? 
Uh, Lauren, before we get into the conversation about where he might go, what the trade might be, what destinations might be the best, et cetera, et cetera, because we have to do our due diligence on that front. And I know you love the transaction cycle. I do. I do love it. But I do want to ask you, Mm -hmm. where are you on Levine in general? Yeah, it's a it's a loaded question. You mentioned his his positives and maybe some of his negatives. Uh, But one thing that I do kind of keep coming back to when I'm looking at situations like this, when you're not talking about a Bradley Beal or a Damian Lillard or where it it almost feels like you don't even have to worry about the dollar value, which isn't quite correct, but you, you get what I'm, you get what I'm saying with Zach. It's much more of a conversation, but when you look at the top tier players in the league right now and the super max extensions that they're getting and the annual value being closer to $60 million for those top tier number one guys. Zach Levine, obviously, most would agree, is not that. So $40 million compared to the $60 million, like, do you feel like you would get enough with Zach? $40 million compared to the $60 million, again, there's a little bit of flawed logic there, but especially when you're trying to to construct your, your finances. But I think that necessarily just throwing the overpaid or or overrated or whatever on him isn't necessarily super fair because I don't think we've seen him in a situation where he could be a number three or uh, a number two or just exactly what that looks. I mean, I guess right now he's a number two, but I think on a true we're we're competing and we're in a position to actually go somewhere in competing. Um, I would I I think that there's a very real mm-hmm. world in which he doesn't feel overvalued or overrated or whatever. But right now, given the narrative, given the success or lack thereof with Chicago in recent seasons, he's got to overcome that label. And so for Chicago and even for Zach, I think they're going to be faced with some real hurdles in terms of what they're going to be able to get back um, for Levine. Yeah. Yeah. And they've they've been put in a really tough position just because they don't necessarily it's weird because he's in, he's under contract for a, a while. He's under contract mm-hmm. for four years. So I guess they have the the leverage, if you will, of him yeah. being under contract in comparison. You know, we talk about Pascal Siakam all the time. He's an unrestricted free agent this year. Mm-hmm. There's less leverage there for the Raptors in order to get the most the bang for your buck, if you will. But at the same time, there's also that cosm of he is getting paid a lot of money yeah. and maybe too much money considering the injury history, considering, you know, where he at, is with his role and whatnot, yep. and also considering where he might want to land that could fit what he is as a player. Um, personally, this is just my personal opinion. I find Levine a little bit one-dimensional. Um, I think he leaves a lot to be desired on the offensive end. Now, I'm not saying that means he's doomed as a player. I, in fact, think if he were to put be put in the right role, a third option, maybe fourth option on a really good team, he could thrive as yeah. like a play finisher. Zach Lowe on his podcast said, hey, there was a world in which the Denver Nuggets traded for Zach Levine. And if he was in a position where he's playing off of Jamal Murray, he's playing off of Nikola Jokic, he's playing off of maybe Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon, I don't know what the deal would be. But if he's playing off of those guys as a play finisher, shooter, guy who's like finishing off buckets for them, Mm -hmm. he can be maximized. He'll look incredible in that type of role. So where can he go is the question now. In terms of in terms of like 
how he can maximize his own skill set mm-hmm. and maybe what the Bulls can get as well. Yeah. I have a trade for you. Oh, I'm going to just open it. it up with my favorite Zach Levine trade destination. I think it's a destination that would make a lot of sense. And here it is. Okay. I, I have it ready, locked and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls will be trading Zach Levine and Alex Caruso to the Los Angeles Lakers in exchange for D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, Jalen Hood-Shafino, Max Christie, Gabe Vincent, 2029 first-round pick unprotected, and two pick swaps. Uh, so that is the deal. Cut. I think a lot of that value that you see going out from Los Angeles's perspective is also getting Caruso in the deal. Caruso, in my opinion, is a much more val- – not. I, okay, let me let me rewind there. He's not a much more valued player, but I think he is a desired player right now a little bit more than Levine is yeah. when you consider contract and injury and all that stuff and yep. value and all that, right? Um, I think for the Lakers, a team who's trying to win now, getting a guy like Caruso, who's, a, who's an all-defense member, can really, really pair well with guys like Austin Reeves off the bench, et cetera, all that stuff, and getting Levine, a guy who's like an incredible play finisher, shooter, score, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mixing that with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Jared Vanderbilt and Torian Prince, and you still have like a decent rotation there to, to work with. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it from the Lakers' perspective. And then from the Bulls' perspective, you get D'Lo – who him and DeRozan can keep you feisty. Like you're not going to be too, too bad. You know what I mean? Um, And I think Rui can be an interesting fit there. You get a couple of different prospects in Max Christie and Jalen Hood Shafino, and you get three picks as well. Yeah. So in terms of value back for those guys, I feel like it's pretty good given all the things I just labeled about Levine and his concerns. And yeah. So what do you think about the Lakers side of things? Yeah, I mean, if they could find a way to get Levine and Caruso, I think it'd be a huge win for the Lakers. And if I'm being completely honest, I do expect the Lakers to end up with Zach Levine. I just do, uh, even though I don't think that they have the best package to offer. I think for for Chicago here, um, yeah, I mean, on top of the picks that you mentioned, getting multiple guys, especially to sort of, I don't want to say reset the deck Mm -hmm. because they have a lot of interesting young prospects right now already, but none of them have really popped. And so I think bringing in sort of even some new guys and giving Rui an opportunity to be in in a a larger role even could could bode really well for them. I would be curious to see if they try they were to try and get Austin Reeves in there or what that ends up looking like. But I will not be surprised at all if any of any combination or any individual Zach Levine, Alex Russo, or DeMar DeRozan end up in a Lakers jersey. Yeah, the DeMar DeRozan aspect is interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if you were to ask Lakers fans last year, hey, can we get a Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan swap? They would probably say absolutely. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has changed now mm-hmm. because of the needs that the Lakers have this season in terms of shooting in terms of extra defense at the point of attack. Like, DeMar doesn't necessarily fit the build anymore. Yeah. He might have last year. So I I just – I guess I have questions on that front, but I could definitely see – one of those three. Okay, do you have another Zach Levine trade destination for me? I do, uh, and I I think it – we have to – we have to just go right here, and it's uh, uh, going to the Eastern Conference. I think we got to go to the Miami Heat. So I've got – and I've got a a follow-up. I've got a follow-up question for you, but this this first package that I kind of just loosely threw together uh, is Kyle Lowry, Duncan sure. Robinson, 
and then it's Levine, and then there's about seven million left over. And personally, I don't see how they could squeeze Caruso in there. That's just me, value wise. But I do think you could get an interesting mm-hmm. combo of Tory Craig, Dalen Terry, maybe even just Kobe White, Andre Drummond. I think that they could get some some value there as right. well. Uh, but again, to me, this is not an intriguing package. This is just another case where you've got a, a big market team <laughs> that just finds themselves yeah. in the com- inserts themselves into the conversation. So again, I guess for Chicago, yeah. you get. Duncan Robinson, who's who's actually looked pretty decent, uh, and then an expiring contract in Kyle Lowry. But um, again, this is not the most. This is yeah. not the best that they can do. Where do you stand on a potential Miami deal? Yeah, I could see it from Miami's perspective in the sense that hey, we didn't get Donovan Mitchell, we didn't get Bradley Beal, we didn't get Damian Lillard. There is a chance we can go out and get Zach Levine, maybe at a cost that we are comfortable with. Uh, from the Bulls' perspective, it's like, okay, well, if the Lakers are offering something better, why not just trade him to the Lakers? And 100%. he's a Cali guy, UCLA product. Like, let's just send him home. Sure. You know, all good there, uh, even if Miami is offering a, 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 a different package. Uh, so th- I guess that's that's sort of my thinking from Chicago's okay. perspective. It's like, okay, if we can do better, why not do better? Especially, you know, since I think Zach would be totally comfortable going to the Lakers. For sure. What is the what is the follow up question? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, my so my follow up question is, I I came and I came to it from from this standpoint. If Miami said that Bradley Beal, if Miami said that Bradley Beal was not enough of an upgrade to move Tyler Hero, is mm-hmm. it enough of an upgrade? And could you see Miami doing Lowry? Robinson and Hero for both Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Ooh, I don't think so. No. Uh, maybe hmm. If you I don't know if you they'd want Levine and DeMar. I actually would be curious if you said like, "Hey, if we did Levine and Caruso." Yeah. What would Miami think from that perspective because I think Levine and DeMar even the Bulls are realizing it is a little bit (laughs) redundant yeah um (laughs) uh, yeah it doesn't it doesn't work and I think I think if you're Miami you probably like Caruso's fit a little bit more with your roster just from a defensive standpoint point of attack and then you know if you're Chicago Hero is a pretty good get for what you can really start with I mean I, I'm pretty sure that's the best player we've kind of mentioned yeah, uh, so far so. in these trade discussions, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's interesting. If if Miami decides to include Hero for Levine, but they quote-unquote reportedly didn't decide to include him for Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard, ah, I don't know, <laughs> man. That's kind of shaky. That's, that's yeah. going to be tough to argue. That's yeah. going to be tough to debate. Um, I'm with you. Okay, I have I have another uh, Eastern Conference team for okay. you that I'm curious to think see what you think. Yeah. Okay, so Zach Levine headed to the New York Knicks. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, in exchange, and it's a pretty easy, simple, and plain exchange. Let me just go ahead and do the math right here. Um, right, I got it here for you. It is going to be one second. I got to get some salary going the other way as well of course i do um all right to a certain extent okay 
Zach Levine mm-hmm. for Julius Randle and Emmanuel Quickly mm-hmm. and other stuff, yeah. right? Just just to get to that point, uh, salary wise, you have to you have to get add some stuff to that. But yeah. in theory, mm-hmm. the idea is you take on Julius Randle's contract. Mm-hmm. The Knicks get Zach Levine, mm-hmm. and as a thank you, the <laughs> the Bulls get Emmanuel Quickly, which is a guy who you know all intents and purposes is looking for a bigger contract he's going to look for a bigger role and that role could be in chicago Mm -hmm. so what do you think i don't know if the knicks do it that's my thing i just i'm not sure if new york does this but personally personally i don't think the knicks do this um I, i think that the only in my mind the only way the knicks do something here is I still can't. I still don't even know if they would do it. Um, is if it were some sort of Evan Fournier, like real, like low, low ball. But even to do yeah. that, I think you would still have to include Emmanuel quickly and maybe even Mitchell Robinson. And I don't, or mm-hmm. or even Hartenstein. And I don't think that New York would necessarily be interested in doing that, um, especially because they're starting. The murmurs of Donovan Mitchell are starting to kind of recirculate a little bit. So I think that the Knicks will be good standing pat but i'll be interested to see if they get in there because i think the knicks could really quickly like you mentioned put together a solid offer whether it be kind of a more more pieces to the the like 10 million dollar range or just someone like julius randall but randall's kind of been on a hot stretch lately so i it's hard for me to envision it personally yeah, the only way I could see maybe, maybe this happening is if the Knicks are ready to part ways with RJ Barrett. And I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that I don't is the case. So. I, don't I don't think, think that either. would be possible. Um, so I, I probably lean towards New York sticking with its guns mm-hmm. and saying, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of like, just stick the path here. And you yeah. said Donovan Mitchell, wait for Donovan Mitchell, maybe wait for Joel Embiid. Yeah. Just chill. Right. Yeah, just, just, um, yeah. Okay, do you have another team for me? Oh, yes, I've got teams all day long. Let's go. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) I think we need to go across. This is like Christmas. I am. I'm like, like oh, I love it. As soon as I saw, like, I think it was... I think it was Shams that tweet, that tweeted it. I was like, and I tweeted, we didn't even get through November because this is, <laughs> I just love it. Um, but yeah, no, I think we need to go across the bridge and go over to Brooklyn because to me, okay, I would be, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for a lot, for both sides to get, hmm. to accomplish a big goal here. And I think that Brooklyn could I get off it. of Ben Simmons and, okay. It, it would just be a one for one swap, not well plus picks, obviously. But yeah, I think uh, I think yeah. Brooklyn could even just attach their least appealing first round picks, and I don't even know. I truly don't even know how many it would cost. I think you could attach two. Like, I'm I'm not even going to go down that route. Brooklyn, I think, could very yeah, easily yeah. get this deal done, and I would truly love to see him in Brooklyn. I think that that's a good like defense switchable size ah. surround him with the size i want to see what it looks like yeah i don't hate that i don't know why i don't hate that i feel like from chicago's perspective you're probably not loving the fact that ben simmons is the only guy coming can you can you can you maybe squeeze in one of their prospects can you yeah. give me derek whitehead or yeah. can you give me noah Clowney? Um, 
I would I would be shocked if the Nets are willing to part with Cam Thomas. There's just no yeah, way that's going to so. happen. But, but I, I think you could I, just give one me one kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, give me, I don't know. I I, I would be, I think that's interesting. I haven't heard the Nets yet as a Levine destination. I really like the idea of that from the Nets perspective. It's just about how are you going to get Chicago to be okay with that trade? Right. I mean, keep in mind that like the Nets also have some tough pick situations. I know they got a bunch of stuff from Phoenix, so they're kind of okay in that department, but they don't have any of their picks and anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So maybe that gives them incentive actually to go out and be better. Right. And yeah, I could see it. I could see it. That's an interesting, that's an interesting case. And then you have Mikhail, you have Cam, you have Zach Levine, you have, you still have, you know, the, the core of Dorian Finney-Smith and Nick Claxton. That's a fun team. It would be so fun. I don't know if it's like, like, is that team better than the Atlanta Hawks currently? Is my question. Oh boy. If they don't pick a direction, then yeah, I think they Wouldn't are. Would you say yes? Um, I think if Atlanta hmm, picks a direction. Yeah, that's a good question. If Atlanta you, picks a direction mm-hmm. and that direction is Onyeka Kongwu and they move on and really, really commit. Right. Then I think Atlanta's the better team. But if they keep this sort of, oh, right. I don't know then I'm going to take Brooklyn. Right. It's interesting. I think it's, it little, is interesting. I think, it, I think it's one I, to, I don't one that necessarily people should, hate it. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't hate it out. at all. Okay. Um, I, I have, I have another trade candidate for you here okay. and this is, uh, the Indiana Pacers. Okay. Yes. They're good right now. They have the best offense in the league by far. Why not make it the best offense in NBA history right now? <laughs> if you add Zach Levine to this group, they're probably not going to be able to stop a nosebleed, right? They're, they're not going to play any defense, right? Mm-hmm. But they will be very, very hard to stop on any given night offensively. Now, the mm-hmm. tricky part is getting there with the salary. Yep. Uh, they obviously just let go of Daniel Tice, so they don't have that contract cushion to be able to work out to get to $40 million. You can kind of piece together things buddy healed tj mcconnell maybe add in like uh aaron neesmith and and ob Toppin, and you're there right Mm -hmm. um but i'm not sure if the pacers would be willing to do that for a guy like levine who is like he's doubling down on that offensive philosophy for them Mm -hmm. he does make them good like i think they become a really really awesome offensive team Mm -hmm. but long term are you liking a levine halliburton backcourt with bruce brown miles turner etc i don't know i'm not sure yeah i mean like i think the the question there would be like how high are you on tyrese halliburton and i don't think anyone is low on tyrese halliburton anymore Mm -hmm. so a person like I think it's something that you definitely I think it's something you entertain especially considering the pieces going out I really think that it's sort of a, I mean, to me, TJ McConnell and, and, and I, I right. had Buddy Heald, TJ McConnell and Jalen Smith gets them there because of the Pacers cap situation right now. So if that player personnel wise is what's going out, I don't hate that for mm-hmm. Indiana at all. I really just think it will come down to, well, not just this, but one thing is how much does Chicago, how much um, control do they give or, or influence do they allow Zach to have? Uh, and is he interested in Indiana? I do think having a coach like Rick Carlisle, who's 
who offense X's and O's like that's right up his alley. I think having Zach Levine and giving Zach Levine an opportunity to play both on and off ball would be really, really intriguing. So I really like the fit actually. Um, And I even think that personally, I am high enough on Tyrese Halliburton on both sides of the ball and the pieces around them that I think that backcourt, especially size wise would be something worth giving a go. Um, And so, I mean, if I'm Indiana, I would say go for it, but I also am hesitant because if, is Zach Levine at the point where he only wants to play for big markets and contenders? I don't know. That's a big question that I have. That's fair. I think that's that's fair to assume. Um, okay. Any other any other Zach Levine trade destinations? I know there's one. There's actually two, there's and maybe two. this is a way we can segue into our own teams. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm interested to hear if you think Levine is a is a Mavericks destination, and if they should take a swing at him. I yeah. What do you think? Just in general, I don't I don't even know what the deal would be or what it would look like. But like, yeah. How does how does Levine look on the Mavericks? Um, personally, I I don't see Levine. If this were pre Kyrie, I would say they would be all over this. But personally, I just don't see any world. I mean, even before the start of the season. I would have said maybe they can try to work something out with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Maxi, and maybe they try to just add that much more top-heavy yeah. talent. But now it doesn't make sense. It would really, really hinder them cap-wise and make things just more difficult where they have finally gotten to a point where they have a pretty good cap situation right now. They're kind of like an, in a sneaky way. They've actually got a pretty solid um, pretty solid books right now. So um I just, I, I yeah, yeah, I don't see a world in which they try to pull this one off. But I definitely think that there are maybe a few Western Conference teams that uh, could get real spicy here real quick for for Zach Levine. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Yeah. Get, throw throw out some names here. I, I I think like I can think of. Are you thinking of the Pelicans? I I am actually not because I was thinking. I that did occur to me. And I actually, I just off the top of your head, do you think that they would? The only the the thing is is like money wise, it would either have to be Zion or like their entire front court. Um, I do think the Pelicans are interesting. the The challenge there is you have to decide: Are you open to moving on from Zion, or are you going to trade Jonas Valanciunas, Larry Nance Jr., pretty much your whole front court depth to right. make to make the money work? So I think that there would be big challenges there. And personally, if I'm New Orleans, I'm holding on to Zion. I think the Zion situation is is actually a lot worse than maybe some realize, uh, or, or maybe is being talked. I shouldn't say some realize. Maybe that that's being talked about. Um, so we'll see mm-hmm. what happens there. But um, I don't think that this is the situation that they should consider moving on from from Zion uh, for. So uh, the I yeah. think the two teams that well, what about well what about an Ingram. What I about Ingram Levine? I wouldn't do an it. An Ingram Levine swap. No? I wouldn't do it. I think Ingram is if like if you're Chicago or, or New Orleans. New Orleans. I I I would not move Ingram. There are okay. very few people I'd probably move Brandon Ingram for, to be honest. Um, just wow. If you're okay. New Orleans right. operating, if you're New Orleans, yeah, yeah. I I don't think you can afford. I think the two teams that intrigue me the most. You mentioned them earlier, the Denver Nuggets, and then the other one is the Memphis Grizzlies. I think Memphis. Interesting. I think Memphis could really, really make something happen, but 
like I said, I don't. I I think Memphis. I think Memphis in Brooklyn. To be honest, I think Memphis and Brooklyn could get this deal done. Like every, this is another right. situation we talked about this earlier today, where everyone's got their eyes on one team, and I still think it will be the Los Angeles Lakers. But Memphis, Brooklyn, maybe Denver, but I don't think so. Maybe Indiana, but I think Brooklyn and Memphis could be the two to just come out and snipe them out of nowhere. I really do think that that right. that they that they have the power to. The tough thing with um, Memphis going after him is just where you're going to get that salary from and also how are your books going to look afterwards because yeah. Bain's extension kicks in next year. Yep. You have Morant. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. You have Marcus Smart. It becomes really tricky for a small market team yeah. to become essentially a second tax apron team. And that's why that's like I thought of Minnesota as a yeah. Zach Levine team because I, I was yeah. like, hey – just straight up cat for Levine swap. Yeah. Just do it. I thought right? about it too. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I can understand it from a fit perspective because Levine, Edwards, Jay Mack, Rudy Gobert kind of makes more sense than cat yeah. with Rudy. But I just don't see it from a money perspective. Like it mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me uh, for them to double down and have a $40 million player when they still have cat that they're on their books and, and trying to work out. And then on the other side, Chicago gets cat and cat and Vooch doesn't really make sense either. Like, how is that going to look? And okay, now you got to find a new home for Vooch. And <laughs> it just, I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what, that's what kind of catches me off guard with the Grizzlies. It's like, there's a lot of maneuvering after the trade that you have to do from both sides. That kind of makes me think like, huh, I don't know if either team would be too willing to jump the gun on this. Um, I've seen a lot of people bring up the Raptors as okay. a Zach Levine I've trade seen it too, destination. But yeah. Like a lot. Um, and I can understand the reasoning behind it because, you know, you're not going to be able to – again, the Bulls aren't going to be able to get a lot for Zach Levine. So there's, an, there's a world in which you don't have to give up Pascal Siakam. You're obviously not giving up Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. And you're not giving up OG Ananobi either. And you add Levine to that group. And Levine fits in like a glove. He's the shooting. He's everything. You know, we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast of how much the Raptors need shooting. They need extra ball handling. And Levine fits like a glove from that perspective. But also, the Raptors aren't in a position really to give up picks. And that's what the deal would be. It would be Gary Trent Jr. It would be Thad Young. It would be Chris Boucher, plus all of the other pick cachet that the Raptors have, which is, I think, 2028 and 2030. And then they could give up pick swaps as well. I just don't see the Raptors having those pick protections on the Spurs pick and Yaka Pirtle and all that stuff saying, we're going to double down on this roster, especially given the fact that they have as I've mentioned 101 times on this podcast, two unrestricted free agents that are massive, right? Pascal and OG. And when you have that uncertainty in your future, you're sort of wondering to yourself, like, should I even go after this if I don't know if I can retain this core and keep this core together? Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm unsure if the Raptors were to do it. If you were to tell me it is a Pascal for Levine swap, like they are just straight up swapping teams. Um, I, I don't see why the Raptors would do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you, do you like that idea? Wait, no, do you like I don't. That? I don't. I think I, I, I don't, don't like that for know. Toronto, but I, don't I thought know what you were the temperature like, temperature check is on that. No, no, no. Personally, I think that that would be a bad move for Toronto. No. Um, I think Pascal has a lot more value. Yeah. 
But but no, I thought for a second there, yeah, I was like, oh, I is agree. he torn? Is and- he torn on that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I just so there's like a bunch of different reasons why I don't think Levine to Toronto makes sense. I, I imagine Toronto does their due diligence. They probably reach out. They ask to Chicago. They see what the price is. They see what they can do. But I again, this is me talking from a perspective of common sense. Conventional wisdom would say the Raptors don't trade for a player like Zach Levine because they already have picks out the door. They have a lot of uncertainty headed into the future. They're not in a position to win now, and therefore they shouldn't trade for Zach Levine. But also, conventional wisdom said they shouldn't have traded for Jakob Pertl. Conventional <laughs> wisdom said they shouldn't have traded for Thad Young. Conventional wisdom, maybe. Actually, no. I, I think the Fred Van, letting Fred VanVleet walk is is probably fine, given the price tag that Houston got him at. But I'm kidding. Ultimately, I just think this team does not think in the conventional way and maybe they think they are closer to winning than we look at them right now so maybe you add zach levine to that team you have pascal you have zach levine you have og you have scotty barnes obviously you have dennis schroeder you have Jakob purtle that's a really really good starting five like yeah. a really good starting five and then you know you've lost some depth to your bench how are you going to manufacture that depth we'll see but ultimately, I, I guess it gives you more of a chance in the Eastern Conference. I don't think it makes you uh, at the same tier as a Philadelphia, which we haven't talked about as a Levine destination yet. Oh, right. I, I don't think it it puts you in the same conversation as Boston or Milwaukee. And so I just don't see it from the Raptors' perspective. Mm-hmm. But again, I've been wrong so many freaking times on this podcast <laughs> about seeing it from the Raptors' perspective because they always – go the opposite way of what I'm thinking. So, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. it's just, it's so tough to gauge what this team's going to do. Um, yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, Lauren. yeah. Well, I think similar to the Raptors, there are like, and we don't need to, we don't need to go down the whole path, but I think you can sort of lump into the same, well, same category in terms of like, there are clear, like pretty big questions that could hold this up. And I think the Pistons, the Magic, even OKC a little bit, um, the Hornets, Utah, there's a group of, of teams that can put together honestly really good packages for Chicago that should be like a, the second you see it, send it in uh, like that good. But I just don't see yeah. – I don't know that I necessarily see Chicago sending them – Uh, sending him there. And the last thing that I want to say on this is one thing that I'm very curious to see how this goes um, is like just how the situation is handled. Does it deteriorate to a point where Chicago is like, you know, I don't really want to send you where you want to go. I I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to happen or that there's even a ton of signs saying that that's where we're headed. But I do think that it's something to monitor sort of in this day and age is, is how does, how do the relationship dynamics influence just how these things unfold because they do tend to just happen really quickly. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on that and I'm not counting out, you know, the Pistons, the Magic, um, the Hornets even, and and maybe Utah. I think there could be some intriguing things there for sure. Yeah, Utah is an interesting one because they definitely do have the salaries and like they're in a position with picks and whatnot to Mm -hmm. to go out and get that guy if they want to. Um, And like him and Markinen and Kessler, that could be a fun team. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Clarkson. Even Orlando, like Orlando Orlando and Detroit, they're so, yeah. And they both have, Mm -hmm. like, they both have significant logins. Orlando and, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Orlando and Detroit, they're so spacing deprived right now that a guy like Levine could jump in there and make a really, really big difference on the team. Again, I just wonder, given where they are in their respective cores and how young they are, if they're willing to make that win now move, Mm -hmm. which is why maybe Brooklyn is an intriguing one. Yeah. Um, And Brooklyn kind of jumps out to me as a team that like kind of needs to win now because of their pick situation. And has some players that are on the older side in Mikhail Bridges, in Cameron Johnson, who are like ready to compete ready to now. Go. Yeah. They could be like a frisky four five seed with Levine. Um, now that I'm thinking about it. So yeah. I don't know. You you've kind of sold me on the idea of Brooklyn. I, think Brooklyn I, I didn't dangerous. really come into this thinking about it. I will say, I just I really hope the Philadelphia 76ers don't trade for Zach Levine. I think Tyrese Maxey is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think he you don't need another offensive minded guard, excuse me, offensive minded guard who is lacking in the defense department. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see the fit with Levine. If you're giving up picks, if you're giving up players, I really just think you should just wait. Yeah. And go after a big kahuna in free agency, whoever that might be, whether it be OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam or whoever. So, um, yeah, I'll wait. I think the Sixers yeah. should wait. Uh, and when it comes to Levine, who knows what will happen, ladies and gentlemen. We have until December 15th to decide you know, how it's going to shake out. D- January 15th is also another deadline in terms of when players are available. Most of those Lakers players that we mentioned are available on January 15th. So I doubt we see a move anytime soon. But it's just – I guess this is a way we can maybe end this conversation, Lauren. What a weird <laughs> and sad and depressing – 10 to 15 years, maybe 20 years of Chicago Bulls basketball. Um, You obviously have the highlights of the Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and Jimmy Butler era, very close to NBA finals runs. You get an MVP in there. You have just like uh, an incredible iconic type of stretch of basketball there for a little bit. You have the fun Bulls era of Kirk Heinrich and Ben Gordon and Luol Dang. And like, that's like a frisky fun team that nobody wants to face in the playoffs. And (laughs) like, I remember growing up watching them with Andres Nocioni and like, you know, guys like that. And you're like, Oh, you know, that was a fun team, right? A very, very fun team. Um, But ultimately the last 10 to 15 years of Bulls basketball has been just to kind of recap it, right? Derrick Rose injury. Okay. Jimmy Butler emerges, okay? He becomes a star in place of of Derrick Rose. Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau clash a little bit. Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau become best friends afterwards. (laughs) But the Chicago Bulls don't want to pay Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler gets pissed off and says, I will bet on myself. He goes out there and wins most improved player. (laughs) Now the Bulls are forced to pay him. They pay Jimmy Butler they don't build a good enough team around Jimmy Butler. We all all remember the Dwayne Wade, Rajon Rondo, and Jimmy Butler team, which went absolutely nowhere. Um, and then Jimmy Butler decides to get moved to a different team. They trade Jimmy to the Minnesota Timberwolves, okay? The Jimmy Butler era is over. They have entered a tank, okay? In that tank, you get players that emerge. Obviously, Zach Levine was part of that trade, and Levine is now there. Lowry Markkinen was part of that trade. He's now there. Wendell Carter Jr., this interesting big man, arrives in Chicago. And when you think of those names now, two of them are not in Chicago anymore, (laughs) and Levine is the one remaining player. Um, 
they go out and they trade Wendell Carter Jr. and two first round picks. That one that turns out to be Franz Wagner and the other one, I believe, uh, and, uh, I don't know who else that turns out to be. I, I'm blanking now, but it, w- one turns out to be Franz Wagner, who by all accounts is probably going to be an all-star level player. So you traded Wendell Carter Jr. and Franz Wagner for two, three years of Nikola Vucevic, who by all intents and purposes is beginning to dwindle in his career as a 30-year-old big man, okay? On top of that, you trade Lowry Markinen, the player that you got in exchange for Jimmy Butler along with Levine. You trade Lowry Markinen just to get rid of Lowry Markinen, and you get rid of him. I believe it was for a first-round pick or something. You get that. He goes to Cleveland. He inevitably ends up going to Utah and wins the most improved player award. He is now an all-star, potentially an all-star level player for a consistent amount of time. Lauren, they tried to salvage this situation and they attempted to, and it was really fun for about two months in October and November of 2021 when it was Alex Caruso, when it was Lonzo Ball, when it was DeMar DeRozan. The Bulls are back. Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, this team is fun. How do they have the number one defense in the NBA? And then boom, Lonzo Ball gets hurt. It all comes crashing down. And now we're in this situation again. If I had to be a Bulls fan for the last 10 to 15 years, I'm not sure how much more I could take because it is tough. I just even recapping all of that to you hurts me as a basketball fan. So I feel for Chicago Bulls fans, it has been such a depressing time in the fandom uh, that it just it, it hurts me. So I guess that's where I'm at. I, I I'd wanted to just mention that because when we're thinking of Zach Levine trade rumors and where he might go and what they might end up with, it's just been really, really unfortunate. Some of that is self-inflicted through the trades and through the moves that they made. And some of that is just sheer bad luck. It's from injuries, from guys not wanting to be there, et cetera. And yeah, tough break for the Chicago Bulls. Um, Lauren, any thoughts? Yeah, the way that this has come, well, I I don't want to say it's come to an end, but it definitely feels like we're, it's not an end until the players, the last of, of all of these moves are gone. But I do sort of expect Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan to be gone. I think Alex Caruso, if the if the Bulls are smart, they will maximize on the demand for Alex Caruso right now. Uh, but sometimes moving three really solid players is hard. And so um, that can be a hard, a hard um, thing to pull or like a hard like thing to do. But I do think that that's the right move for them. I think trying to get something for DeMar before he's a free agent and walks is the right thing to do. And again, I don't think that the... I think DeMar, wherever he goes next, he's going to be good. But I do think that uh, the offers are going to be really low because I think everyone knows that he won't be sticking around. So it makes me sad to see how this has all sort of come to an end for Chicago, especially, especially when you consider Lonzo Ball's time uh, in there. That is is pretty sad and, and, and upsetting. Um, but I do think that right now this is an opportunity for them to sort of just reset the deck and just – try and, and and move on so we'll see what they do i think it would be very wise of them to try and maximize on the the draft assets but 
I don't know if they'll do that. I really don't. Yeah, it's it's an it's such a brutal situation to be in. Uh, if you're a Bulls fan, and um, you know that look, teams will go through ruts. NBA franchises go through ruts. Uh, the Toronto Raptors were in a rut for a very long time before Masai Jury came in. Uh, sometimes you need that change in ownership, change in, in management to to really change the outlook of a team. The Knicks were a, a tire fire for you know the majority of this decade until they came and you know they they changed management and things started to change up. The Kings were a tire fire for a very long time. I mean, longest playoff drought in, in NBA history, all that stuff. Uh, and it changed because different management, different ownership style, whatever, right? It, it worked out because things changed. The way their approach was different. And I wonder if that's the thing that needs to happen in Chicago because, yeah, it just – it's tough. Very, very tough. Bull, I mean, the Bulls have a very awesome history. You know, Michael Jordan, six championships, dominated the 90s. You can't talk about basketball without talking about them. But it's just really um, – depressing honestly to think about you know what this team has gone through over the last 15 years what this franchise what the fans have gone through over the last 15 years uh so this was a very chicago bulls centric podcast it's funny because we didn't even have a a chicago bulls guest on we will probably at some point this year have a (laughs) chicago bulls guest on to discuss everything that's happening but next week ladies and gentlemen we have a minnesota timberwolves beat writer to come on and talk about the ever prevailing, maybe rising, maybe potentially championship contending Minnesota Timberwolves and obviously Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, and maybe Chokeholds. We'll talk about Chokeholds too. Um, okay, Lauren, from you, from me, from everybody at the Objective Basketball Podcast, thank you very much for listening to the Objective Basketball Podcast, and we will see you guys later. Take care. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at The Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.